0: A few weeks ago, we um, did a message on this idea of shaped, Um, looking at the culture, looking at uh, uh, Christianity, looking at our faith, and and posing some really important questions about man, how much of what we believe as Christians uh, really is biblical-based, and how much is just kind of ingrained with us from the culture that we live in, um, kind of American way of doing it, or this is the way our parents did it, or, or this is just what's common in our culture and, and what's accepted. And uh, it's some, it's been, it was a really good sermon and uh, a lot of questions about that, so we're just going to revisit uh, this topic this morning, and I think even maybe for the next few weeks talk about it um, a little bit more. Uh, we're going to read uh, from the book of John chapter 17 and from Romans 12. So First John 17, if you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. This is a portion of scripture where Jesus is getting ready to uh, face the cross. He's getting ready to get arrested, um, and he is praying this prayer. And this prayer is uh, specifically for his disciples. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. All right. I have given them your word, Jesus Speaking to God about his disciples, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus is saying, listen, there's something different about these guys. There is something different. Technically, you're an alien. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're in this world, but not you're not of this world. There's something completely different about you. It says to sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctified myself. I sanctified myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Uh, now over in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. So we have this prayer that Jesus prays uh, at, the, at the end um, of part of his journey where he's getting ready to face the cross here. And now we have Paul speaking to a church here in Rome, a church that he has uh, actually never even visited. He is wanting to go to Rome. He's, ha- he's heard ro- rumors about everything that's happening at Rome. He actually hasn't been there, and he sends this letter to this church at Rome um, that has kind of gotten started. We don't know how this church got started. Uh, different people, the gospel is spread, the message is going out, and there is a uh, plurality of people at this church in Rome. And Paul sends this letter to them and says this, and, and we're going to read this word, and it's going to say, Therefore, in chapter 12. And so it's like a summation of all of these things that I've just talked about in the first 11 chapters. Uh, all of these things, and he's done a, a great job of talking about uh, really stressing the equality between Jews and Gentiles. But listen, Christ has come, and he, there he's bringing equality into the church, and it's, it's no longer just a, a Jewish God. I mean, but this is, this, is, this is everybody can come and, and enter in Jew and Gentile. And so when he says, therefore, this is kind of like, okay, this is what you do now with everything that I've given you. It says this, Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. According to the grace that has been given to us, let us use them. And then in continuation of this chapter, he begins to kind of bring out this list of things. If it's in prophesying, let him prophesy. If it's in ministry, let him minister. It's an exhortation and it really practical Christian living uh, of things that he talks about in, in rejoicing, uh, patient in tribulation, uh, continuing steadfast in prayer. So he gets very, very specific on some of these things with christian living so a few weeks ago uh we talked about approaching the culture how we interact as, as ones that are are in this world but not of this world and we looked at first corinthians how paul approached and spoke to a church and we pointed out three main things is one we don't approach our culture with this type of doom and gloom attitude we don't approach it with oh man like, the world is going to hell, and everything is going to get all burnt up, and I can't believe all this stuff is happening. Like, that's not what Christ would do. That's not how Paul spoke to the church. But he said, listen, even in the midst of all of the craziness that's going on, there is hope in Christ Jesus. There, there's not this escapism mentality that, man, if you could just kind of get through this life, and eventually you'll get to heaven, and it'll be it'll be better there, like, that's that is not what the gospel is saying, but um, it's it's also we pointed out that we do not remain silent in our faith. We don't privatize our faith. We don't just like make our faith just kind of, well, there's our faith on Sundays, and then, well, we don't really talk about that and the rest of the thing. Like, no, no. Uh, What we do affects all of our life. And then finally, we pointed out that there is a present hope in Christ Jesus. That it's not just the hope of the things to come, but there is hope in Christ right now and so we take that and, and we approach our culture in that I want to make a statement here and I want you to think about that for, for a minute maybe even over the next couple of weeks what we believe should affect the way that we live what we believe should affect the way that we live Christian living is inseparable from Christian believing It's not enough to just kind of say, well, I believe this stuff. That we have to live it out. Now, here's where the statement gets even more kind of like, oh, how are you going to go there on me, Pastor? But but here we go. If what you say you believe has no effect on your everyday actions, you're disillusioned. If what you believe, if what you say you believe has no effect on on your everyday life, if it doesn't affect the way that you interact with people, if it doesn't affect the way that you interact uh, as a married couple, if it doesn't affect the way you interact uh, raising your children uh, in the workplace with the people that you encounter, with everything that you do, you are disillusioned. This message of Christ, this worldview of Christ that he brings to us, it changes everything. I mean, you can't say that you believe in the resurrected Jesus, and kind of go on living like nothing's happened. And Jesus is very plain. Like, Listen, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. There is something different about you. Jesus will change you. Jesus will change everything about you, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And if it hasn't, man, something's wrong. I, I was thinking about, like, we do this in our every, everyday life. You know, if we look at the weather report and the weatherman says, man, it's going to rain, like we prepare for that, we bring an umbrella, right, because it's going to rain. Uh, We think that, um, you know, hey, it's summertime now, but I have faith that it will be winter again. And because I have faith that it will be winter again, I don't throw my jacket out, I simply put it in the closet until it's time to break that jacket out again, hopefully a long time from now, you know. Summer can stay longer, you know. It's a good thing. But, but, but think about that, right? Like nobody was like, oh, man, that was the end of winter. But yeah, toss all these. Actually, maybe some of you ladies might have because then it's an excuse to buy new jackets, <laughs> right? I know how y'all think. I know it. Ah, I got you. But some of you guys too. It's not just... Anyway, um, but it, it affects the way we live. And so when we come to church, when, when we read the scriptures, when we pray... When we're interacting with the God that raises the dead, when we talk about faith in the one, that Jesus could be dead in the grave for three days and then raise up in resurrection, I mean, that's, that's powerful. I mean, it's one thing that, hey, there's all types of stories. Man, this guy was dead, and, you know, 30 seconds later, we revived his heart. Awesome. Awesome. I don't know, three days. I mean, you done went, imagine, you've done and gone to the funeral. You went to the funeral. You t- cried all the tears. You went to bed, you woke up. You went to bed, you woke up. And all of a sudden, whoa, he is alive. That that doesn't happen, y'all. I mean, this, this is this is the God that speaks a word and things come into creation. Light, be, world, be, stars, be. I mean, pretty powerful stuff. And it should affect the way we interact with our culture. It changes everything. And so now the question remains, well, now what? I've come to Christ. I've had this experience. There's this God that it's, he's done something. He's changed. All of a sudden, now I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. But I don't know now how do I interact with this world because now something's different. And now I have this my friends, and I don't know what to do, right? Have you ever met that person that, like, All of a sudden, like, something's changed about them. Or maybe even really for the kind of worst in some senses where all of a sudden, like, they went off to college and they got their degree and now they're just smarter than everybody else. And they let you know that they're smarter than everybody else. Like, you know, or like they were broke and then all of a sudden they came into a bunch of money. And now, oh, man, I'm sorry, I can't hang out with you no more. I just, you, you know what I'm talking about? Those people that all of a sudden, oh, I, when I was a kid, it, the thing was like, hey, you, you go to the summer football camp. And all of a sudden, you come back from summer football camp and you're instant NFL pro guy. Like, man, no, you went to summer football camp. Like, come on now. But like, the thing, the thing is with us as Christians too. Like, we've come and something's changed. We've, we've gained some knowledge. Christ is breathed in life. But how often do we go back into our culture and we kind of portray this I'm better than you attitude? Now all of a sudden, well, off. Oh. Let me tell you, I, I I can't do that anymore, and I'm not gonna. And we kind of begin to look down on people. Too often, that's people's story. Too often, we come in with this. Oh, what? I'm sorry, I only listen to Caleb now. I'm a Christian, and all of a sudden, like people hate us, right? And, and like this, this is where the tension begins, because something's different about us. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. And all of a sudden, the world's starting to hate us, which Jesus said it would. Like, the world will hate you. But the thing is, they need to hate you for the right reasons. They need to hate you not because you're a jerk. They need to hate you because now, man, God's done something in their life and there's something that they need that I want. I don't know how to interact with this person, but the Holy Spirit's doing something. And it's just like, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Y'all hear me? How does that look like? What is that tension? look like because for so long you were in this group man and, and and you and your friends and you were living this worldly life and man it, we all wanted the same things man it, it was all guilt, built around well we're going to make lots of money and we're going to get more power and we're going to get lots more recognition and we're going to get more and like we all wanted the same things and so all of a sudden like you got and saved and like like yeah that's good guys but that's not the most important thing anymore like there, there's something bigger than this and and all your buddies, is whoa what, what do you mean I don't know. Like, you were with the group for so long. A- and have any of y'all faced that tension? That, that man, listen, uh, some, God has changed something in my, in my life, and now uh, I'm, st- I'm, still, I'm still in this world, but I'm not of this world. But I have all these people, and how? what does that look like? How do, I, how do I affect the culture and not let the culture affect me? And I think we get some keys here uh, in, in Jesus' prayer and in the book of Romans. The first thing... Jesus is, Jesus is saying this, that you're, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. I'm praying that not that you would be taken out of this world. Jesus is saying, listen, uh, the goal isn't to get you to heaven. I'm not trying to like, all right, you're a Christian now. Like, God, just kill him. And like, that, that's the end. Like, no, no, Jesus says, listen, you, you, you're not to be, t- not, they would be taken out of the world. And then Paul puts this like this. I pray, uh, or he says this, that you would be living sacrifices, Now, this word, living sacrifices, if you're hearing this, if you get this letter from from this writer and you read this for the very first time, this is a completely revolutionary new idea. Living sacrifices? Because remember, this is a group of people for thousands of years, and they are very acquainted with what a sacrifice is. And there's something about a sacrifice that has in common with every type of sacrifice, and that's this they always die. Sacrifices die, man. These guys are sacrificing goats, and they're sacrificing birds, and they're sacrificing lambs, and and they they've read the book of Leviticus, man. There there is sacrifice after sacrifices. There's moments where where they're doing these sacrifices, where man, every time we take a few steps, we're going to sacrifice again. We take a few more steps, and and there's all of these different festivals and sacrifice, and the one thing that they have in common, if there's a sacrifice, it dies. It doesn't live. This is the people, they've, they've sacrificed more than Hillshire Farms and Purdue all put together. I mean, they, they, they've got it down. They know how to kill some stuff. And you get this letter, and it says, man, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Like, whoa, what does that mean? Well, sacrifice, no, 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 no. Remember, there's this story, I believe in Genesis 22, where Abraham is going to make a sacrifice to God. And Abraham's walking up this mountain, and he has his son Isaac with him. And and, and Isaac doesn't know that like he's supposed to be the sacrifice. And, and it actually says this, that, and as they were walking up, Isaac looks to his dad, he's like, Dad, you you've got the wood, you've got your knife, where's the sacrifice? And then which Abraham's like, Uh, the Lord will provide. Okay, Dad, <laughs> you know? Like, okay. So, so, like, they get up there and they get ready. And Abraham, there's the altar. And they get everything ready. And, and Isaac, could you imagine? Could you imagine this moment? I mean, talk about needing some counseling later. I mean, I, I, sits him down there. And then I, Abraham's about to kill him. And then the Lord says, no, stop. Stop, don't, don't, don't do that. And then there's this ram over in the thicket. Could you imagine? Man, if, if I was Isaac... I would be freaking out. I'd be like, "Dad, I don't know. Are you sure you heard from Jesus on this one? Are you sure you heard from God? You know, cuz this th- that is not biblical. I know we only got 22 chapters, but like God wouldn't do that." Could you imagine the next time that Abraham asked Isaac to go camping? <laughs> "Hey, Isaac, father son trip. Let's go." "Nah, dad, I'm cool." Like, "No, nah, I'm just going to hang here with mom. You know, we're going to cook some stuff. Y'all go." You like, "Man, it's crazy." It's crazy, and and it says this like that you would present your body a living sacrifice. Did you catch that? Your body, not somebody else's body. See, we're really good at sacrificing somebody else. I throw somebody else on the altar in a minute. You know, oh, who you need me to? I'll take care of it. No problem, man. we, We are quick to throw somebody else on the body. Man, I'll, uh, sacrifice, what, kids, chickens, wife, whatever, you know. But no, no, he, he says, listen, that you would present your body a living sacrifice. Your body. Man, it's easy, it's easy to just, hey, man, let's sacrifice this thing. And, and this is a, a brand new concept this, this is what baptism is all about. Because, like, when you go under, it signifies death. And you're coming up into brand new life. And that like you are dying when you come into Jesus. God's saying, listen, like, that's the end of you. It, it, it's no longer about your preference and about all the things that you think. It's like, no, no, no. Like, all that dies. And it, pff, now you're a new creation in Christ. You're to be a living sacrifice a living sacrifice coming to Christ always involves death but it all it involves also a resurrection it's new life in him it's a new sacrifice it's a living sacrifice it's a new way of living that the blood of Jesus did what no other sacrifice could do see you can't sacrifice enough you can't you can't put enough things on the altar to make you right you can't, you can't give up enough for God for you to be standing in right standings with him. Only his blood can do that. Only his blood can do that. See, see, the priests were trying to do it year after year. Man, they, they, they would sacrifice and they, they would make atonement for the people. But you know what? They had to do it again the next year and the next year and the next year. You know why? Because it didn't take care of the problem. And Jesus came and he did once and for all. What we tried to do for thousands of years. And what we're still, in some ways, some of us are still trying to do today. And God says, listen, man, your righteousness, is like filthy rags. Only my blood, the lamb of God, the sacrifice. And, and so when Paul writes this letter, he says, listen, you, now, you guys, now y'all are living sacrifice. There's been one that's laid on the altar that took away all of your sin and made you and put you in right standing with God. And so now you go out and you live this. You live this new life in Christ. Stop trying to put other people on your altar. Stop trying to formulate that person into the person that you think they should be. I'm pretty sure Christ can do a good job. I mean, he's got his hands full with me. (laughs) You know, like, to be living sacrifices, to be in this world, but not of this world. The next thing talks about, Jesus says, this prayer says, listen, that they would be sanctified by truth. Paul says, listen, that they would renew their mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are a brand new creation in Christ. You are new, and yet you are being made new. It it, it, it is this instantaneously, yes, you you are whole, and yet you're being made whole. It's this, kind of paradox in which uh, Christ is working, and yet in in our mind it's kind of like, what? How does that make sense? And yet it makes complete sense, because that's what God's doing. And when we come into Christ, it doesn't mean that uh, you've accepted Jesus and now you're an, an instant expert on all things Jesus. No, but it means this, that at least now you're in the right game. See, before you weren't even in the right field, and now you're on the right field playing the right game. But you've got a lot to learn. And so you need to be made new. You need to be sanctified by the truth. You need your mind renewed. Christ says, I have given them your word. I've given them your word. Now, listen to how crazy this is. John is writing this about a prayer that Jesus prayed about the word. He opens this book up with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And so here we find Jesus praying a prayer about him being the Word, saying the Word, and John writing this prayer as a Word. Now, if that doesn't confuse you, <laughs> like, it's just absolutely amazing that here, like, here, here's Jesus as the Word, praying the Word, John writing the Word, becoming the Word that we are reading now. And it's just saying, listen, this is how you're going to be sanctified. This is how you're going to do it. In Ephesians 5, it says this, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her to make her her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the word, being sanctified by the truth. And the truth is the word. You need to renew your mind. This Bible gives us a brand new worldview. It changes everything. It changes everything because the more we read, the more it makes us step back and say, whoa, Jesus, you do things completely different from the way I've been taught. Uh, you, you say things like, love your enemies? What? It's better to give than receive? What? We're blessed when we're persecuted? What? Turn the other cheek? What? Live for something bigger than this world? Whoa. Like, they're, they're, you." Man, there's so many things. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, there's this list of things that Jesus does completely different. And they're like, listen, you've come to Christ. You've, you've, you've come to know uh, the power and the resurrection of Jesus. Like, there's some, there's some things that need to change in you because Jesus thinks a, a whole lot different than the way we think. And, and you, need, you need to be sanctified in this truth. You need to be renewed in your mind. You, you're new, but you need to be made new. It, it's this beautiful process. There's this story um, where the children of Israel, God's chosen people, they've been in slavery for years, hundreds of years, and they've finally been let out. And they have this promise. Has anybody in here ever had a promise from God? So they've had this promise, and this is going to be their land. This is going to be their land. Uh, but there, there's, a, there's a problem. There's other people occupying this land that God's given them. And so they send out these spies. The spies go out and they, they look at the land. They come back and they actually have this, this thing in between them where uh, these grapes, this grape cluster that's so big it takes two men to carry this back. And they say, Look, everything that we were told, everything that we heard about this land, it's true, man. It flows with milk and honey. It's amazing. These grape clusters, it's huge. But the people that are there in this land, they're like giants. And because we were like grasshoppers in our eyes, we can't do it. They'll crush us. See, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And, and I've heard one preacher that said it like this. As long as you see yourself as grasshoppers, you'll never get the grapes. And that's what happened. The, this, this generation of people had to die out in the wilderness because they were too afraid all they could see was the thing that they would have to do and they didn't recognize listen god is on our side the truth of the matter is later they come to find out that the people were afraid of them the people were so afraid that they had heard of all of the things that god had done man they could have taken the land easily but they saw themselves as grasshoppers see they came out of egypt but egypt didn't come out of them See, you've come into Christ, and you're a brand-new creation, but there's still some stuff that the world has put in you that God now needs to get out of you. And we do this through the sanctification of truth, the renewing of our mind, uh, the Word. And this is this reality that we have to understand, like, you are not a slave anymore. Because before you came to Christ, you were a slave to sin. You were a slave to the ways of this world. You were a slave to, you had a certain worldview that this is what we do, and you were trapped, and there was nothing that that could take that away except the blood of Jesus Christ. You're no longer slaves. There is a promised land waiting for you. There is a God who is bigger than everything, that he can do it. You've got to stop looking at what you can do and start looking at what he can do this happens through the renewing of the mind, the sanctification of truth. And then the last thing. So these things have there, there's, uh, there We've talked a little bit about uh, living sacrifices, being in this world but not of this world, the renewing of the mind, the sanctification of truth. And then, and then it says this. Uh, Paul, goes, Paul goes on um, to say, or Jesus goes on in his prayer in, in John 17, he says, Listen, I've set them apart. And I've sent them into this world just like you sent me. And then he goes on to pray that, listen, that they would be one in you, Father, just like we are one, that they would be one. Paul in Romans 17 says, listen, that, that this body, that you are a body, there's many, many different members, but we are one body. And, and, and there's different functions and all of these things, but we are still one. There's this kind of prayer for unity. And, and, and the truth of the matter is that as a Christian, as one that's been set apart, as one that's part of the body, as a believer, as faith in the resurrected Christ, in the resurrected Christ, that you are called together as a body, as a body. We have different gifts, but we are one body. There is a purpose for being here. God has a purpose for you being here. The fact that you're still here means that there's still purpose. And the body needs you. The body needs you. Paul uses this metaphor. Listen, there's hands and there's feet and eyes. And just because somebody's an eye and not a hand, does the hand say that, oh man, oh, I'm worthless because I'm not an eye? Oh man, I'm worthless because I'm not a foot? And like, sometimes that's what we do, guys. We, we look and, like, especially within the church realm, like, it's so easy to kind of think, like, that what I do is what ministry is. Like, no, 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 no. What I do is just a part. All of us are called everything that we do like what you do on your job tomorrow morning that's that's ministry that's a part of what God has called you to do what what you do with raising your kids and 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 your neighbor across the street that's part of what God has called you to do and we're all in this thing together it's a body it's a, a people that God is using to mold into his image and his likeness We've got to stop trying to mold people into our image and our likeness. See, the last thing this world needs is a bunch more Lucas's running around here. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. Don't try to be like me. And I don't need to try to be like you. I remember for the first, probably the first three years of this church, I spent a lot of time trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I would listen to other great preachers And I would listen to all these guys, and I thought, man, if I could just do like that, if I could just preach like that person, or if I could just, man, and and I would, I I think, oh, and I'd go and I'd preach this sermon, and it would fail miserably, because it ain't me. And when you try to be me, and when I try to be you, man, we are doing the body an injustice. We need each other. You're created unique and different, and, and, and there's different things. And we don't all have to agree with each other. Like, I'm glad that my hand doesn't do everything that my foot does. You know, like, it would make my food taste so much worse. Like, you know, what I mean? I'm, just, I'm just walking around all day. You know, like, no, like, we're a body. It's different functions. And so often, guys, we we choose our ch- our churches based upon, like, how much do I, like, agree with them, you know? And, like, so if I, if I can agree with the pastor on everything, then that'll be my church. It's like, no, 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 no like, listen, I don't expect you to agree with everything that I teach. I expect you to like, go home and like, study this for yourself. Like, there might be some questions that come up and get raised up that, well, well how does that verse coincide with that verse and that verse and, and different things? And, and so what happens is w- with our preference to surround ourselves with people that think just like we think is what we're doing is we're reaffir- reaffirming our bad beliefs because you got some bad thinking. I've got some bad things. We have some bad thinking. And when we get around other people that think just as bad as we do, all it does is reaffirm our bad thinking. But when you get around somebody that thinks a little bit different, that sees things a little bit different, all of a sudden it, it challenges you. Challenges you. Proverbs, it says, listen, uh, the ways of a man seem right until his brother steps forward and questions him. Like, I know you think you got it all together until someone says something different. And now all of a sudden, Whoa. I was telling, uh, uh, me and Kyle got together this week, and we were talking about some things. And I said, I had this class in college where um, the professor got up, and he, preed, he preached that whole uh, or taught the whole uh, class that day about uh, pre-tribulation. And by the end of that class, everybody was thinking, oh, man, yeah, that's what the Bible says, pre-tribulation. We're all going to be taken out of here. And, like, everybody was just, man, he, he, he used the word. He gave us all of his Bible kung fu, and it was, you know, man. And then the, the next day, the next class, he got up there, and he talked about mid And everyone was like, oh, wow. And then the, the third day, he went up there and he talked about post-tribulation. And, he like, man, he great, gave three great arguments all from the scriptures. And he, he summed it up and made this great point that, listen, like, there's certain things that, like, we might have disagreements on. And there's certain things that they might not be specifically clear in the scriptures, but that doesn't mean like we break apart from each other and we discontinue fellowship. But that's exactly what we've done with our denominations. That's exactly what we've done. Oftentimes, like this this moment right now, Sunday morning in America is the most segregated time in America. It's the most segregated on, on every level, black and white. You know, there's no such thing as the black church or the white church or the Spanish church. There's just the church. There's no such thing as Baptist and Methodist and Catholic. There's just the body of Christ. And so we surround ourselves with things and people that believe just like we. And the fact is, we need to be challenged. And I hope that some of the things I do say at different times challenges you. To dig into the scriptures and to really know this is why I believe what I believe. And it's not just an outworking and the shaping of the culture. We love you Jesus.
1: And all things have passed away, and your love has stayed the same in your constant grace. cornerstone Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again And you cause your sun to shine on darkest night For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. And you are the The hopeless sound found their home The orphans now have a home All that was lost has found its place in you And you lived our we. And you make us strong instead And you took these rags and you made us beautiful For all that you've done we will pour out our love This will be our anthem song Jesus, we love you, and oh, how we love you, and you are the one our, our heart to do, and Jesus, we love you know how we love you and you are the one I'm. our hearts adore our hearts adore our hearts adore, our hearts adore. Our affection, our devotion Poured out on the feed of Jesus Our affection, our devotion Poured out on the feet of Jesus Our affection, our devotion Poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion. Poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. Know oh, how we love You are the one I heart to do, Jesus. We love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one. 始终
0: For your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. Lord God, we give you all the praise and all the glory in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. If you're in here this morning and you don't know him, like please don't run out of here. Like, there's gonna be some people up here that would love to pray with you, would love to introduce you to Jesus. Like he will change. Everything. He will change everything.